Window World, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at windowskansascity.com. Somebody has to say it. Does anyone else think that the Kansas Jayhawks were bored with the Big 12 once they turned their season around? They had the three-game losing streak, and it looked like everything was in peril for the Jayhawks until they started playing much better defense, became less reliant on Jalen Wilson going out and scoring 35 points in a night, found supplemental scoring from McCullough and Grady Dick and Dewan Harris, and the team just got better, as it does every year under Bill Self. They went on a winning streak. They had a couple of very inspired performances in very good games. And then the last two at Allen Fieldhouse against West Virginia and then Texas Tech, Looked to me like KU put it in neutral and was coasting downhill to the Big 12 title. This is the most unbelievable compliment that you can give to a basketball program, that it looks that easy, that much on auto, autopilot, and that uninspired. And I will say it was uninspired. These last two games, it was inexplicable how Kansas built a, I don't know, about an eight-point lead with four minutes to go or so against West Virginia on Saturday, and then it came down to a possession where West Virginia had a chance to win the ball game on the final possession, and KU makes a great defensive stop and gets a turnover. And then against Texas Tech, I mean, you you just... KU's defense was terrific early in this game. They got balanced scoring. Kevin McCuller wound up being a very big deal in this game because he had the most important basket with 31 seconds left on a loose ball underneath the hoop, which put Kansas up 63-60, or... If he doesn't get the loose ball and maybe four different players on both teams touched it and had a chance at it as it was rolling around right under the Kansas basket, he lays it in to go up 63-60. If he doesn't do that, it's 61-60 and Kansas is playing defense on the final possession and Tech has the chance to win the game. I mean, it was amazing how they skated by and won these two games at home. I think any Kansas fan would agree with this. This ain't good enough. What they did Saturday and what they did Tuesday is not good enough. Come And I don't know how much value they place on the Big 12 tournament. I think for the players, that's more fun than coasting to a Big 12 regular season title win, which is what Kansas has basically done. It's not rendered Saturday's game against Texas meaningless. We'll see. Texas could lose to TCU on Wednesday night, and if they do, it is meaningless. It is just Kansas is going to be the one seed out of the Big 12. That's going to happen, period. They're going to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament and get some home cooking and play close to home and all that good stuff. And when you win national titles, when you go to Final Fours, when you win the conference every single year, it's understandable how you maybe put it into autopilot and cruise to victory. Kansas took for granted a pair of opponents in a row that they should have beaten by 10 to 15 points at Allen Fieldhouse, and I'm not disparaging West Virginia and Texas Tech and saying they're not capable basketball teams. They're capable. They may or may not, Tech isn't, but West Virginia may be, may after their win at Iowa State. Maybe that's a big deal. I think West Virginia is going to beat Kansas State Saturday. They may be an NCAA tournament team. They could be in. They got a chance to play their way in by playing well late against good teams. They played well against Kansas but didn't win. Maybe I'm, I'm, underestimating West Virginia and what they can do defensively and how well coached they can be under Bob Huggins. But it doesn't matter. Kansas is Kansas. They're the class of this league again. They have fixed almost all of their problems. They don't have a real big guy inside and could run into a team with a giant inside presence 
And if they run into a team in the tournament with a giant inside presence, it could be a long day for Kansas if one thing happens. And that one thing happened against Texas Tech. For whatever reason it happened, it did happen. Kansas got out-rebounded big time, 42-33. All right, Tech was bigger, but still, rebound. a lot of rebounding is effort, and it wasn't there. And I think Bill Self's told him this. This won't be public. Bill Self's not going to talk about this publicly. I guarantee you, after they take a day or two off here and they're getting ready for Texas, I guarantee you he's going to mention to them the effort you rolled out and the execution you rolled out in the last two games at home is not good enough Saturday against Texas. And it isn't good enough anywhere the rest of the way, folks, because we're done playing at Allen Fieldhouse. You're done pulling the rabbit out of the hat, winning games late like this. You got to go beat people. You got to build leads, and you have to put yourself in a situation against good opponents in the postseason at T-Mobile Center, and then the NCAA tournament, where you're up seven to nine points with two minutes to go. And you know, if you make your free throws, you've got it. You have to give yourself some distance. You can't keep taking these things down to the final moment, or it's going to be the end of your season. I promise you, he has that discussion with this team. And I'm not disappointed in Kansas the last two games. I think it's quite normal. I think it's quite normal that you just win the thing every year. You've got to still have a bunch of players in the program that are accustomed to winning it. Dewan Harris, Jalen Wilson, big important players on this team that have done this a million times before and won all these different rings. They've got you know rooms full of rings at this point for different achievements at Kansas. But I didn't. It didn't go unnoticed with me that the most important guy. And maybe the, well, the most important performance against Texas Tech and maybe the best performance relative to his normal game was Kevin McCuller, the Texas Tech transfer. And it wasn't about being a Texas Tech transfer. After the game, McCuller said, that's what I came here to do, unquote. He wanted that Big 12 championship ring. And he played hard. And the most important moment in this game was with 31 seconds left where he wanted it more than everyone else and got the loose ball and scored and put Kansas up 63-60. That was the biggest play of this game, and it's not surprising that it was McCullough, a guy who's never, you know, came here to win the league, wanted that ring, said it's what he wanted to be finished with, 14 points and nine rebounds. On a night where Kansas didn't rebound well, McCullough did rebound well. And that's hustle, and that's effort, and that's desire, and that's all those things, and Kansas missed that in their last two games. They are... So good at the end of games, and their defense is so reliable at the end, or at least in this conference, it is so reliable at the end. That's what made it shocking to see Kansas State execute a play in the final seconds and get an easy dunk against KU and beat them at Bramlage Coliseum earlier in the year. That's what was so surprising. You saw moments happen in game or the TCU game, which was a an abject failure that night. That was just a one-off night. It was a complete disaster for Kansas. So we've seen them have moments like that, but they always pull this out. And they did it again. They did it against West Virginia, and they did it against Texas Tech, and they largely did it with defense in the final moment of the game. That's Bill Self's calling card. That is who and what he is. Kansas was terrible from three on Tuesday night. And I don't care what anybody says. We can credit Texas Tech's defense all day long, but Grady Dick was open, and he missed and he missed, and he missed some more. And he's too good of a shooter. And I can't explain that with a freshman. I don't know whether it's in his mind, hey, this is my last game at Allen Fieldhouse. I'm going to the NBA. I don't know what the kid's thinking. I don't know how much money they're going to back up the Brinks trucks to try to keep him at Kansas for one more year. I know this is true. But I have said it repeatedly about this Kansas Jayhawks team. If Grady Dick is not a factor, you can beat this team. 
And there was lowly Texas Tech with a chance to beat this team because Grady Dick was AWOL in this game. And I don't care what anybody says. When you are missing threes and missing threes and missing threes, it can only be one of two things. And it is not the second one in the case of Kansas here, okay? It's one of two things. One, the effort, the concentration level necessary, the focus in a game is not there. And I think that was the case against Texas Tech. The second thing it can be is you can get a team that gets the yips. You can have a team that's just, they're all gun-shy to shoot from three, and you know they, they don't feel like they're on their game, and so they don't want to take the shot, and then you miss, and it just kind of snowballs. That ain't the case. They were pulling the trigger right and left. Everybody was shooting. There was, there was nobody with the yips. They were all just boom, boom, let's shoot, shoot, shoot. And they kept shooting and shooting and shooting and missing and missing and missing from three. And to me, that's focus more than anything else. But focus is also a part of effort and concentration. And Kansas was not good at that. They have literally sleptwalked their way the last two games to a Big 12 title. That is the ultimate compliment for a basketball team. Simply amazing they were able to do this. Again, getting out-rebounded is unacceptable. A lot of that is effort. I know Kansas isn't big. I know it's been a problem all year. And if they lose, if they lose in the NCAA tournament, it will likely be to a team with a massive inside presence where they get banged up on the boards, they give up second-chance points off those rebounds on a night where Grady Dick doesn't score much and they don't do well from three. Uh, the, the, the prescription, it was right there. You saw it Tuesday night. That's how if, if Kansas loses another basketball game this year, if they, and Saturday doesn't count at Texas, that's a good team. It's a true road game. I'm talking about the postseason here now. If Kansas loses a postseason game, the formula was Tuesday night. Poor three-point shooting and a team that beats you up inside. That's, that's how Kansas will go out if they go out. So it's pretty simple. It's pretty easy for Kansas to see what they need to do. And to me, a lot of this is just focus, detail, attention, effort, things of that nature. And it certainly, to me anyway, didn't look like it was there against West Virginia or Texas Tech, which could be a godsend. You know, in the end, this could be a good thing. You're, you, you just you can't play at a high level every single game. You don't go out in any sport every night and play your best game. We all believe as fans that they should be able to do that. Any team in any sport should be able to play their best game. The Chiefs lost to the Colts, but they won the Super Bowl. Chiefs lost to the Colts, who fired their coach midseason. The Colts were shambles. The Chiefs lost to the Colts. So it happens in sports. It's what it is. And you may look back in a few weeks, if Kansas makes a Final Four run or if they win another national title, you may look back and go, well, remember when they had that little lull? Maybe that was a good thing. They still won the games, for crying out loud. They didn't play great. Didn't look like they used up a lot of energy. Maybe they're getting their legs back. I'm not really sure. All I know is this team has won seven in a row, and they're 15-1 and at Allen Fieldhouse this year, and they're Big 12 champs. And they celebrated, and they hoisted trophies and nets and all that good stuff on senior night. And all things are good for Kansas. When you can phone it in your last two games before winning the Big 12 title, that's pretty good stuff. Well, I guess it's pretty good to be Eric Bieniemy. The truth is now out. What I've been telling you on this podcast since the inception of the podcast, I've been saying it over and over and over. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, assistant head coach of the Washington Commanders, has now publicly stated 
in an interview that he did there, not here, an interview he did there, that he knew this was his final year in Kansas City, that he and Andy Reid had talked about it, and they had decided before the season started that if there was no head coaching opportunity, that they were going to find the right opportunity for Eric Bieniemy to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else outside of Andy's shadow where Eric Bieniemy can call all the shots. He can design the plays. He can name them. He can design the offense around the personnel and call everything about the offense. This was decided before this season. I don't know how many times I've said it over the last two-plus years on this podcast. Andy Reid wanted Eric Bieniemy to move on. And, and some of it is they're friends. It's personal. You need to do this for growth. We can't be stale here in Kansas City. You cannot. You can't be stale. Change is constant in the NFL. The only things that matter right now with the Kansas City Chiefs in this order, in this order, Patrick Mahomes is here, Andy Reid is here, Clark Hunt is here, and Brett Veach is here. That's all that matters. And I put Brett Veach fourth because I think there's still, I think there's, yes, the players he's drafted are all on the team and they're all playing and the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl. So he's got scoreboard, no doubt about it. But you can go through these Brett Veach drafts and say, uh-oh, boy, he made a lot of mistakes. He picked a lot of players over players that he should have picked and didn't. So that's there, but that's probably there with any GM. I like Brett Veach. I, he has to be, if you're going to mention top general managers in football, 32 teams, you got to list him in the top 10 for sure. He mostly gets high marks for jumping up and down and screaming, saying draft Patrick Mahomes when he was not the general manager. But he's doing a nice job. I'm not, I'm not dismissing it and saying he's not. He's doing a fine job. But I put him fourth because you don't want Daniel Snyder to be your owner. You don't want the, you don't want the team to sell here. Mahomes is the most important thing. Andy, two. The owner, three. And the general manager, four. That's the way it stacks up. But Eric bieniemy has been very open about this. And he's been able to talk about it because he said, look, Andy told me I don't want to hold you back anymore because everybody knows you're not really the offensive coordinator here. I am. Everybody knew that in the NFL. Every time Eric Bieniemy went on an interview for a head coaching job or anything else, it, they explained it. Everybody in the league knew it. Everybody knows Andy. They know Andy is running the show here, and Eric Bieniemy was definitely in his shadow. This doesn't mean they dislike each other. This means Andy likes to keep things turning over, keep it fresh. He loves rotating his offensive coordinators out, and he should. He probably feels bad. He sits there and runs the whole thing, and yes, the dude's collecting a great paycheck, as did Nagy, as did Peterson, as did all his other OCs. They all collect great paychecks, but it can't be fun being offensive coordinator under Andy Reid. It's not really what an offensive coordinator position is. So it worked out both ways. I just, I think Eric Bannemi's the the worst guy he's had in that position, maybe in his career. We'll see. Eric Bannemi gets his shot now. And Bienemy's very open and honest about it. Now it's out in the open. What they were, they were lying to us for years that Bienemy's calling the plays and he's such a stud and Mahomes backs him up. Remember all the tweets and comments about the Chiefs players? Oh, he's an integral part. He's this, he's that. He's the B, he's the best, man. He's just awesome. Eric Bienemy. Now Bienemy's out there saying, you know, I didn't really do much in Kansas City. I didn't really do much. This is a chance for me to do something. Amen. We love the truth. That's why you listen here. Other media in Kansas City would not talk about this. They wouldn't touch it. They mostly didn't touch it because they come at every story from a liberal angle, and they didn't want to insult the black coach. 
And they, it's a much easier thing to sit here and say, oh, look at the racism in the NFL. Eric Bieniemy can't get hired as a head coach. They didn't want to say the truth. And that is Eric Bieniemy didn't do anything in Kansas City. And anybody that cared to even be honest, even remotely honest, would say 32 offensive coordinators in the league, Eric Bieniemy does the least. And now I'll say it, 32 offensive coordinators in the leads in this league, and Matt Nagy does the least. I said it. But Nagy's been an OC before. He's been a head coach. Now he's back. He's going to work. He's going to have a job. He's going to work with Patrick Mahomes. He'll be involved. Nobody has less to do as an offensive coordinator than Matt Nagy. And that's just what Kansas City is. We had to turn it into race. We had to turn it into racism. We had to turn it into the NFL is evil. That's what they had to do. Instead of telling the truth, and that was Andy Reid was ready for Eric Bieniemy to move on a couple, three years ago. The perfect time would have been after the first Super Bowl. It's time for you to go spread your wings. But he waited and waited and waited for a head coaching job. Remember, he turned down a head coaching job at Colorado in college. If he really was driven to be a head coach, Eric Bieniemy would have taken that job. I don't think Eric Bieniemy is driven to be a head coach. I don't think he's cut out to be a head coach. I think the Washington Commanders is his last job or last big job. He may be a consultant. The Chiefs may bring him back as something less at some point if Andy is still here. Or Nagy, if he's the head coach, could bring him back as something less at some point. That's all possible. He doesn't have to retire. I think this is the biggest job he'll have. I don't think the offense is going to work in Washington. I don't think anybody's going to hire. Look, he may just get a head coaching job to check a box. So I, I, I'm rolling the dice here and predicting this is his last great job. I don't think he's going to be a great offensive coordinator. And I don't think he'll be a great head coach. And I've thought that all along, and I'll stand by that. Proof's now in the pudding. Eric Bieniemy says, yeah, me and Andy sat down before the season and decided this was my last year. So that much we know. More Chiefs news coming right up, brought to you by Joslin's Jewelry. Online at joslinsjewelry.com. Gary and Dave and Cameron, they're all my boys there at Joslin's Jewelry. But the ladies at Joslin's are awesome, too. You know, they're non-commissioned sales reps. These ladies are so sweet. You go in there and start working with an associate at Joslin's Jewelry, you'll never feel, feel any pressure at all. You get wonderful service and information about what it is you'd like to purchase. You tell them you have something in mind, and they guide you in the right direction, no matter your budget. You tell them your budget, you work on it. It's, it's a great experience. It's very old school. Joslin's Jewelry does things the old-fashioned way. It is the jewel you'll recommend to your friends and family, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. Amazing Garage Floors, online at AmazingGarageFloors.net. You will love John and Heather Hutchins and the work they do for you. Of course, this is veteran-owned and operated. They do epoxy flooring for your garage or other concrete spaces. 16 and a half years experience, 10,000 garage floors, 6 million square feet of epoxy garage flooring they have uh, produced at Amazing Garage Floors. If this is your year, like my neighbor just got his done, Hutch just did my neighbor's, a couple of houses down. He's done two or three in our neighborhood as well. He's also sealed some driveways around our neighborhood. If you want to talk to John or Heather, call 913-901-7139 for Amazing Garage Floors. It is time to get on the schedule right now. It's the 1st of March. Do it. Get on the schedule. Get that Amazing Garage Floor. It's also time to inquire about your golf membership. Don't think of stuffy golf clubs. These are not country clubs. Don't think of stuffy, stuffy, stuffy. Think of Great Life Golf as basically uh, like these fitness centers around town because some of the great life golf courses have fitness centers. So it is golf and fitness. And if you'd like to join a golf and fitness membership, 
for one low monthly fee, you can work out, play golf. You can also use the other courses in the network. Classic membership is six courses at one low price, from Leavenworth to Blue Springs. You can do this as an individual or a family or a company. They have signature clubs as well, like Canyon Farms, Falcon Ridge, Prairie Highlands, Staley Farms. These are great golf courses in the Kansas City area. Call 913-802-4552 or email join at greatlifegolf.com. That's join at greatlifegolf.com. You will play more golf for less money if you join a greatlifekc.com club. Great Life Golf. Love those folks. All right, more Chiefs news. The Combine is taking place, and the talk from Brett Veach and Andy Reid at the Combine this week has been about the lead story here is Frank Clark. Frank Clark just had his best year with the Chiefs. He had nine sacks. He lost weight. He got in shape. He quit drinking. He put the guns away. His felonies are behind him. Okay, so let me let me describe for you what Frank, and this is not judging because Frank Clark's a clean dude now. Frank Clark, he lost weight, got in shape, had his best year. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl. He clearly played well again when it mattered most. Okay, was he an alcoholic? I don't know, but he's made a p- big public deal of stating that I've quit drinking booze. I'm off the sauce. I've got two felony convictions that I pled out of with Uzis and gun charges in my car driving around South Central LA. My crimes are behind me. I've quit the booze, and now I'm playing better on a $100 million contract. And the Chiefs are saying, they want him. They want him back, but you're going to have to clear some cap space. They've got to find middle ground to bring Frank Clark back. Brett Veach said we're going to have to do this with a few guys to make this all work this year. So I believe that's true. But here's the really, I think this is where we're different with this podcast. I just, I just find, I think words mean things. I think Andy Reid loves Frank Clark. I think he just likes him personally. And he knows the Frank Clark that comes to work every day. And I think he really, really, really likes him. I want, you to, I want you to listen to how Andy described a person that had a $100 million contract, came here, drank too much, got arrested twice on gun charges, okay? And had long stretches where he was out of shape and unproductive for all that money. And Andy Reid described him this way, quote, I love him. I love Frank Clark. He's just a top-notch guy. I love this man to death, unquote. I'm telling you, Andy Reid sees nothing but football. I mean, ever. Just don't think you, it's it's maybe a little too soon to describe Frank Clark as a top-notch guy. A little too soon. Not saying he isn't today a top-notch guy, but let's earn it for a couple of years. Let's go a couple of years of, like, he just had his best year in Kansas City. No coincidence. Crime behind him, off the booze, best year. They paid him a lot of money over four years to finally have his best year. I don't know that I'd describe him as a top-notch guy yet. And again, he may be the most top-notch of top-notch guys today. But I don't think he's earned that public reputation yet. And it's so odd to hear Andy talk like that. And he doesn't, re- look, Andy says nice things about all his players, but he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that about all of them. He doesn't. I just thought that was a really, really interesting description. But they want to keep Frank Clark. It's very clear they want to keep Frank Clark, but they've got to work out some middle ground, as they say, and make it work. This was, there was a famous NFL Films clip after the Super Bowl. It was it the Super Bowl or the Cincinnati game. One of the, one of the two, I think it might have been the Super Bowl. I love you. He walked up and said, I love you. I love you, coach. 
just walked up and hugged him. So there, there is a fondness for one another here for sure. It, I, w- I would love, you know, I'm, I'm the guy on the radio that, that questioned whether or not Andy Reid's sons had the resumes to be coaching for him. Okay. And that expelled me and got me a situation where nice guy Andy Reid wouldn't even take my phone call for five minutes. Haven't spoken to him since. That was the end. That was it. This nice guy, right? All this stuff. It is amazing to me that a top-notch guy in his book is a guy with a couple of felony gun convictions and was an alcoholic. That's okay. He's his football player. So football blinds everything, and this is not unusual. Andy's not different that way than a lot of other great coaches. Football blinds everything. And if you got a guy that comes to work every day and is playing and producing and you personally just kind of like being around him or like his personality, you really don't care about the other stuff. You hope nobody gets hurt. You know, you hope nothing really bad happens off the field, but you don't really care. You don't. That's football. That's inside football. That's that's just the way football is. All right, Royal Spring Training continues, and our Royals coverage today is brought to you by 360 Document Solutions, online at 360documentsolutions.com. Call Mark or any one of his team members to get the best advice on how to be more productive at your office, whether it's expensive HP copiers and toner. Get rid of that stuff. Get a new deal. Copiers, printers, kit, black and white, color-wide format, voice IT solutions, mail systems, outsourced IT. It's all the expertise of 360documentsolutions.com. For complimentary analysis, call Mark at 913-745-5344. That's 913-745-5344. I think, I think college basketball may be Mark's favorite sport. He's very excited for March. We're going to be getting together here in the next week or two, I know. Uh, he loves college basketball. Loves college basketball. If you want to, if you're on the fence, hey, when do I call 360 Document Solutions? Now's the time. If you love college basketball, have the dude out, speak with him on the phone, and talk some hoops. Talk some hoops. Mark Lindquist over at 360documentsolutions.com. Advanced Medical Imaging online at medimageks.com. Had a friend come by yesterday, and he said his doctor told him he's got a little bit of a, he's got to be careful about his heart. It's doing, it's okay, but he'd had some chest pain, some different things going on. He doesn't have any real signs of anything bad happening here, okay? He's got some blood pressure problems. That's it. Not a cholesterol issue. Doesn't appear, it's, the heart sounds fine, all those things. And he said, I haven't gone over to advanced medical imaging yet and gotten the heart scan. I said, what are you waiting on? You know, your regular doctor, even a cardiologist, won't order that up for you because it's not covered by insurance. It's less than 100 bucks. Let them take a picture and see if you have any plaque. Don't just go by how your heart sounds. (laughs) Go get the heart scan done at advanced medical imaging, medimageks.com, 785 Eight five six zero two two four. It is also the only place to go for an MRI or a CT scan because they will get you in today if you call in the morning or tomorrow if you call in the afternoon. When your doctor says you need a scan and your hospital chain tells you you got to wait three weeks, don't do it. Go to Advanced Medical Imaging online at medimageks.com. And North Kansas City Dental, I mentioned I had to switch my appointment. I had to switch it. I had something come up, and I'm going to be going in there in a couple of weeks, getting my teeth clean, my uh, regular checkup. If you're looking for regular dental care, implants, or even crowns, veneers, TMJ treatment, whitening, 
even jewels in your teeth like some of the Chiefs players have. Dr. Bush does all that at NKC Dental. Online at nkcdental.com, 816-471-2911. I'll be visiting him this time at the Westwood office in Kansas uh, near the plaza. So looking forward to that. Good oral health is important. Royals opening day is March 30th, and I was shocked to see this story. And then I went online and I looked, and it's true. The Royals are trying to sell tickets for opening day. There are plenty of $39 seats upstairs. The Royals are now offering the opportunity for anyone who buys a, an opening day tippet, but you got to buy it by today, like March 1st is the deadline. If you've purchased your ticket by March 1st, they're going to have 10 Bobby Witt powder blue bobbleheads that are signed by Bobby Witt that could become collector's items because there's only going to be 10 of them. It is unbelievable how many seats are available for opening day. Quite remarkable what is left for opening day. You can get a seat down low. Some of them are 300 and some bucks. But there's tickets upstairs for $39. There may be some for less than that, but it's a bunch. The Royals open this month, March 30th. Thursday, March 30th. I got to double check on this because I saw a little nugget that Brothers Osborne will be performing outside the uh, Miller Lite Party Zone area before the game for one hour. I love Brothers Osborne. They're kind of a hard rock country band. They have my theme song, what, what should be my theme song. If I could take it, I'd have to pay fees in order to use this music. That's why you don't hear pop music on the podcast very often. You have to pay for it. So if I had a theme song now, uh, my wife coined this one. Brothers Osborne have a song called I'm Not For Everyone. And we've decided that song is about me. <laughs> I, I wear it as a, a badge of honor. I'm good with it. I don't, I don't want to be for everyone. I don't want to be for everyone. And when the song comes on, it's all these different things. I'm not for everyone. And that, and Jessica listens to it. And she goes, geez, Kev, this is about you. <laughs> this is totally about you. Because even off the podcast or off radio, I'm not for everyone because I'm very honest. When people come up and ask me something or say something, I don't, I don't do much small talk. I'm not real big on small talk. I will tell, I will say things to people that will make them kind of lean back away from me. I'll be like, what? I'm just giving, you ask me, I'm telling you. <laughs> you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. And we're so accustomed in our society to not dealing with the truth that everything is just for image, for style, and no substance, that it really, it's disconcerting to people when I do it. They'll ask me something, and I'll answer them honestly. They're like, oh, I didn't expect that. I'll do it in a friendly way. I'm not mean, I'm not confrontational, but it's just shocking to people when you tell them the truth, because most people don't want to hear the truth. They just don't. And so that song has kind of become a joke around our house with our friends that I'm not for everyone. That's true. You can ask my friends. They'll tell you that I'm not for everyone. It's absolutely true. But they'll also tell you that I'll do anything for them. Anytime, anywhere, any reason, no questions asked. You'll find that to be true with my family and my friends. But I'm still not for everyone. <laughs> I kind of like it. So anyway, if you want to buy a ticket, you've got a chance to win a bobblehead from Bobby Witt that is signed that could, it'll be a collectible. If there are only 10 of them, it's going to be a collectible. It's a powder blue when they're only making 10 of them. That's something, I guess. Autographed. Unless they have some Bobby Witt powder blue bobblehead day later in the year that I don't know about. They're making it sound like this is a big deal to sell tickets. 
So go get them. Royals win again on Tuesday. They beat the Guardians, formerly known as the Indians. Four Royals relievers. Now, we've talked about the relief pitching. This is, if the Royals pitching is going to get better this year, most teams are like, oh, if our starting pitching improves, what if the starting pitching involves relievers? And they're dipping their toe in the water here on this thing, and we'll see what Quartuero does, the new manager. Well, Jessica likes him. She doesn't know anything about him. She found out he's a Grateful Deadhead, and he's been to like 19 Grateful Dead concerts. The Royals manager, Cotuero, has been 19 Grateful Dead concerts. Interesting dude. Definitely, if he's a deadhead, he marches to his own beat. So there's something there. Four different Royals relievers on Tuesday got 11 outs. One of them only pitched two-thirds of an innings. The other pitched full innings. So there were 11 outs recorded by four relievers. They struck out nine of the 11. So the Royals have done what they did when they, in 15 when they had HDH. They've gone out and found power arms. They want to strike people out with guys who come out and throw as hard as they can for one inning. This is fascinating to me. If the Royals start games like that, and then their starting pitching is okay, again, you can get to the eighth inning. You can get through to the eighth inning with your starter if you have somebody pitching well on a, on a given night and turn the ball over to your closer in the ninth and not use a bunch of pitchers there. Or, in essence... I think I think the reason it doesn't make sense. A lot of people look at this and go, well, what's the point of this? Well, the point of this is if you have really good relievers, you got power arms out there. Think about the nights. By the time you go to that bullpen, you're down six to three. They're of no use to you on those nights. And you still have to use some of them because your pitcher's been bombed and you're out. You're burning them on nights you're not going to win. You're not going to come back. What if you use those power arms early in the game, burn a couple innings, all of a sudden, you're up one nothing or 2 nothing, and you hand it over to your starter. That's a whole different deal. That's what this is about. I think a lot of people don't, haven't really thought about why you start, would start a reliever and pitch him for an inning and bring in another reliever for an inning and then go with your starting pitcher. And a lot of times, it, it comes up to where you can burn through those, and it's very effective for the starting pitcher. I just, I, I'm fascinated by it, but I, I, it's one of those things that you, it's spring training, so it doesn't matter, but strikeouts are strikeouts. Okay. 11 outs by these four relievers were recorded and nine of them were strikeouts. That's power arms. That's big power arms with nasty breaking stuff. That's what that is. So I, I, that's to me, that's a little spring training preseason nugget that you look at and go, okay, I see what they're trying to do. They're, they're going to, it's going to be by paper cut. There'd be a lot of nights where the Royals maybe use four or five pitchers, and that's by design. Most nights when that happens, you go, oh, they're burning through their arms. I think they think they got so many arms, they're going to be sending them to Omaha. There's going to be some guys in Omaha that are flamethrowers in the bullpen that could be used and, and would come up and could be one-inning guys. Being a one-inning pitcher is just a lot easier than, than going the distance. It's just easier. A lot of guys can go start an inning, get through a clean inning, get the hell out of a ballgame. A lot of guys can do that. The odds are in your favor. They really are. There's a ridiculous viral video out there right now by Rob Friedman, who's maybe the best baseball follow on Twitter. Rob Friedman is the pitching guru. He, it, it's always pitching clips. He's, he's a pitcher. Every pitcher in Major League Baseball follows Rob Friedman on Twitter and what he throws up there. He had Dylan Coleman on this nasty slider from Dylan Coleman of the Royals. It, it's, it's, it really is a cool follow on Twitter. He put up, Video, split screen video 
on Tuesday, the Padres had a particularly quick half inning where there's now a pitch clock. And so what's going to happen with the pitch clock is we're going to ignore it. You're not even going to be looking at it. The players are just going to start playing faster. That's all that's going to happen. And so the game will speed up. It's going to be great, and it's going to work, and it's already working. The average game is 26 minutes shorter in spring training this year compared to last year. Again, not the length of the game matters. It's the 26 minutes of standing around inside the game that you didn't have to sit through and watch. It's keep the ball moving, keep the ball in play. He put a video up. The Padres went through a half an inning pretty quickly. It was awesome. Next to a Dodgers pitcher last year, who in the same period of time, I think it was like three minutes and 52 seconds or something like that. The Padres pitched a half inning in 352. They showed a Dodgers pitcher last year that had a batter step out on him. This is not a mound visit. Then he stepped off the rubber. Then he did this. He did that. The Dodgers pitcher threw one pitch, one pitch in a game last year in the same amount of time that the Padres completed a half inning yesterday. Crazy. That's awesome, man. That is really good stuff. The Royals have a new change this year in the minor leagues. The minor leaguers are unionizing, have unionized, and they're starting to get some things that they've wanted in the Royal. I don't know if this is the Royals losing control because the minor leaguers are unionized now or whether this is the change in general manager. It could be either. It could be both. For the first time in 15 years, the Royals will allow minor leaguers to have facial hair. Minor leaguers in the Royals organization have been required to shave and not have facial hair. I think you can get away with one day not shaving, but if you start to grow a, a beard out or goatee or whatever, you had to cut it in the minor leagues. And I know Dayton Moore was, you know, he, he, Dayton Moore would be great as a college baseball coach. I, I think he sees one of his missions as just mentoring and teaching young men to be good people. And I think that was part of this. It was teaching them, you know, present yourself in a certain way. That's what this was saying. This is the Yankees. The Yankees have been like this forever, right? So it's a Yankees rule. The Royals had it in the minor leaguers, and it is now gone. Uh, if you want the best seats for opening day, tickets for less is your best option. There are no fees added on, zero per ticket fees on any order ever, and there's always a discount with the promo code KKHI. In the first month, about 100 of you have reached out to tickets for less. I think you got Chiefs tickets. Some of you even got Super Bowl tickets at Tickets for Less. Thank you for doing that. And I hope you save money big with the promo code KKHI. You can use it when you call the phone number as well, 913-685-3322. The Big 12 tournament is here March 8th through 11th. Kansas will be playing, it looks like Kansas is going to be playing at 2 o'clock on Thursday. If you're looking for those tickets, that is in all likelihood going to be a K-State KU doubleheader. The early session on Thursday, it's not a given yet. It's not guaranteed. Looks like that's going to be K-State at 1130, KU at 2 o'clock. If you want those daytime tickets for that doubleheader for K-State KU, if they win, they obviously would play each other the next night. Ticketsforless.com is the way to go. If you want a certain session, you're an Iowa State fan, you want to go see them play, as soon as this thing is settled, boom, jump on ticketsforless.com, put in the promo code KKHI, and you will save between 5 and 15% on every single order. We love that about ticketsforless.com. On to the news, and we'll start with Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She is out in Chicago. Crime rate through the roof, worst in 30 years, deaths everywhere. Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Beetlejuice, becomes the first incumbent in Chicago in 40 years to lose. This was not a regularly scheduled election. This is a recall. 
This is the city saying, we hate you so much. Special election. I think there were eight people in the election yesterday. The top two vote getters move on to a runoff. So they don't have a new mayor yet. They just know Lori Lightfoot is out. She finished third. She got 16% of the vote. So let me be perfectly blunt about this. They lined up at a mayoral runoff in Chicago, and 84% of the people voted against the current mayor. Impossible for an incumbent. Absolutely impossible. Now, it's not like they're going to get a good Republican to clean their city up. The two dudes that led that will face each other now are the Chicago Public Schools CEO, oh boy, and a Cook County Commissioner Board member. I'm sure they're both died in the wool Democrats, strong liberals, but they're going to have to come tough on crime. They're at least going to have to come tough on crime. And we can ask the question, can we be lucky enough that the electorate in the United States will see what the people of Chicago saw in Lori Lightfoot and boot Joe Biden out? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. If there was no recall here and Lori Lightfoot were running for re-election in Chicago against a Republican, she would have won. They would have re-elected her. So the issue you have in a presidential election, Biden versus Trump or DeSantis, the issue that you have is 84% of the people voting for Biden may not like him, but they're voting against the Republican. And that's, that's, that's going to be missing. And every other media outlet that you watch on this Lori Lightfoot story, you're, the ones that you like and watch, they're going to get this wrong. They're going to say this is coming. All the Democrats are going to get voted out. This is going to affect Joe Biden. Joe Biden should be looking at this. No, Joe Biden shouldn't be looking at this because the 84% that voted against her voted for other Democrats. If it was her against a Republican, those people would have voted for her. That's going to be missing from all the coverage. So I'd like to think that this is the beginning of the end for all these crazy, soft on crime, defund the police liberals that are running cities and getting elected around the country. But once you put them up against a Republican, too many people in this country have been indoctrinated and trained that you're only a good person if you vote for Democrats. You are only a good person if you vote for Democrat. You're only a good person if you vote for a Democrat, especially for God's sake if you're white. You got to make up for being white and you got to vote for Democrats. You do because you just, damn, you shouldn't be white. And if you are, you ought to be telling people you're embarrassed by it and you hate it and it shouldn't be you. We had a really bad incident in Kansas City on Tuesday night. Three police officers shot, executing a search warrant at 2300 Blue Ridge Boulevard. Mayor Q's been doing his airport victory lap, and he should be. Uh, the airport's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm good with the airport. He should be. But we should also look at the contrast of stories on Tuesday in Kansas City where the new airport opens and everybody's celebrating that, and three cops go to execute a search warrant at 2300 Blue Ridge Boulevard, and they all three get shot. They're all Okay non-life-threatening injuries. They returned fire at 9.30 on Tuesday night. They got shot and fled and got in their cars and transported themselves to the hospital. So they're non-life-threatening. The standoff continues. We don't, there's no information on who's in that building. Doesn't sound like a hostage situation, but it could be. It's a standoff. 
And as of the recording of this podcast, it had not been resolved yet. We assume it will get resolved at some point on Wednesday. The police standoff continues at 2300 Blue Ridge Boulevard. But my God, this anti-cop sentiment in this country and the things that are going on is just so sad. So very, very, very sad. Elon Musk is back in the news. Elon Musk is in the news a lot. He's now getting media warnings from China to shut up about the lab leak. This is about to get interesting with Elon Musk, and here's why. He can say whatever he wants about Twitter. He can say things in America and get away with it. How critical of the Chinese will he be? It's the second largest market. He has a manufacturing plant, a factory in Shanghai. And the growth, obviously, for any of these corporations, future, is China and then India. As India is getting more and more modern, so many people live in India. It's a huge emerging market for everyone. And Elon Musk is included in that. How does Elon Musk get warned by the Chinese government? Well, the Chinese government is the media in China. That's the Chinese government. It's all one and the same. There were Chinese newspaper stories warning Elon Musk to not bite the hand that feeds him. They have a different slogan for it. I think it's don't tip the kettle or something like that. But it basically says don't, the, the, the stories in Chinese media about Elon Musk right now are don't bite the hand that feeds you. Shut up about talking about a lab leak. So these stories are written in a way that people in China read them as if they just dismiss and it's a joke. There's no possibility this was a lab leak. It, the Chinese government can't possibly be behind it. It's from the wet markets. It's from the bats. It's from the monkeys. It's from the spiders. It's from something. It certainly is not from a lab leak. So in China, that's like a joke. In Chinese media, they report on lab leak like the socialists in this country did on lab leak and how they did on vaccine and how they did on masks. And if you don't wear a mask, you're killing people. They've got everybody in China convinced that there is no lab leak, and they want Elon Musk to shut the hell up about it. They can't really stop the federal government, but they want Elon Musk to shut up. And it will be interesting now to see if Elon Musk shuts up on this topic, on things pertaining to China. My guess is he will pipe it down and be very nuanced in what he says, criticizing the Chinese. I'm really excited. My shipment is out. Jessica says they're on their way. She ordered a couple of MyPillow 2.0s for us. She's excited. She has not been using her MyPillow. Um, and I, I'm not sure I know exactly why, but she's very interested in this one because of its cooling technology. That's what she's interested in trying this. I'm going to tell you right now, if she uses the MyPillow, starts using it, bingo. I love it. I've been using the MyPillow for 15 years. So I love the darn things. And she likes them, but she, and she rotates it in and she's got, a, Jessica's such a wonderful lady. She got a lot of pillows. She got a lot of pillows, depending on whether she's got a crick in her neck or her back is sore. She'll switch from one night to the next. It's complicated, but she's excited about these things coming. My pillow 2.0 has cooling technology. That's never been in the, my pillow. You know, Mike Lindell invented this pillow and never changed it, never altered it. This is the first time ever they've done that. If you are previous or have a, my pillow, Right now, you might want to try the MyPillow 2.0 and see if it is what Mike says and that it's better. If you do, you get a big discount with the promo code KKHI. It is the largest discount available. It is always the largest discount available. You can also call this number and order your MyPillow 2.0s, 800-923-9034. It's worth the try. If you've got a MyPillow and you love it, 
you've probably had it for years because you can wash it and it lasts forever. Maybe it's time for a new one. If you've had your MyPillow for years, maybe it's time to try the MyPillow 2.0 and see what you think. Use the promo code if you would, KKHI. Certainly appreciate that. And our folks at Advantage Termite and Pest Control are ready to serve you this spring as the critters are coming out of the ground. Four-legged critters, hundred-legged critters, whatever they are, they want in your house and they want around your house. And you need Advantage Termite and Pest Control to keep that from happening. Seriously, make the switch. Go with a great local company that is conservative. Why wouldn't you make the switch to Advantage Termite and Pest Control? I promise you they're the best you'll ever have. They're gr- I mean, they're so good at what they do. They're great. I've never used anyone else. They're so good. If you ever have an issue between treatments, you just between service calls, you just call them right up and they come out that day and take care of it. They're awesome. 913-768-8989. AdvantageTPC.com. All right, fun podcast there. Congratulations, the Kansas Jayhawks, Big 12 champs yet again, likely headed to be the one seed at T-Mobile Center next week for the Big 12 tournament. We're looking forward to that. Getting down there, watching some hoops. The weather looks crappy again this year for the Big 12 tournament. I mean, it looks absolutely dreadful. I think Saturday is a high of 38 for the championship game. Whatever. There's plenty of places to go indoors down there, and you can always go into the game early. But it could be an interesting tournament. I think the tournament's all about Kansas. It's the KU Invitational. They have the home fans. If they play inspired and they really care, they'll win it. They're better than the rest of the league, but only slightly. Only slightly this year. They're not, they're not, they don't have that big. The record may look the same. The gap in standings may look the same. But we've watched these games all year. It's a pretty short list of games that KU just went out there and drilled somebody in the Big 12. Everybody played them competitively. And any night they're just a titch off, they're beatable. That's different. And maybe the entire field of however many it is now, 65, I don't know how many teams are in the damn tournament anymore. 70, how many teams are in it? Play in games. Uh, however many teams that is, maybe this is the year where we're just going to see all, by seed anyway, all kinds of crazy things happen. Because honestly, like Kansas State right now is a two seed. You've watched them all year. Do they look like a two seed to you? But uh, Kansas doesn't look like a one seed. They don't because Kansas doesn't look like Kansas. This looks like one of Bill Self's lesser teams and they're a one seed. It just says a lot about what, I was looking through some standings last night, like Ohio State is four and 14 or something like that. I mean, just something ridiculous in the Big Ten. How is Ohio State that bad? Notre Dame's awful. Just dreadful. How is this possible? What happened to college basketball? What's going on in college basketball? I think it's a big question, and this should be a fascinating tournament this year. Not just in Kansas City, but the NCAA tournament. And we'll be chatting about it and bringing it to you right here at KKHI. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 